When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I'm Eric McCormack and you are watching Geekscape. Because you will never escape. denizens of the Geekscape. I'm Jonathan London, the host of Geekscape. And uh, if you found yourself at this podcast for the first time, let me introduce you. Uh, This is the Movies, Video Games, and Comic Podcast, where every week, myself and a guest host talk about the latest news and reviews in the worlds of movies, video games, and comics. It's what we love, it's what we care about, and it's the language we speak. So I try and get a guest host on the show with me who uh, has some insight into this world. And you guys may recognize Mark Riley from very early on. Uh, he was on episode 13. He was on, I actually mm-hmm. remember some of the, n- the numbers of the episodes, which is impressive considering this is episode 133. That's but, really uh, impressive. That, that was episode 13? I think so, the TMNT one, where we reviewed the, the yeah. computer-animated Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I, I know that. you've been on a couple, uh, one or two more. I was on, and, on uh, before that. And uh, and we have you back after well over a year, maybe two years. And uh, welcome back to Geekscape. We've Thank changed you. things up. Maybe we've gotten better at it. Maybe we've gotten worse. They've gotten better. But yeah, I think so too. Uh, I'm glad that you guys, if you're a longtime listener, are still with us. Um, Mark is back because, uh, speaking of long-running shows, yeah, he was a member coming out of USC of the Star Wars in 30 Minutes. If you guys are Star Wars fans. Who hang out in like the in like the Lucas Arts community? You've heard maybe about the stage production, which is played around the world, which is where a, a couple guys get together and they do the first, the Holy Trilogy, the one I acknowledge, the original Star Wars trilogy <laughs> in 30 minutes. That's right. On stage, on and Mark stage. was part of the original production. You guys, you guys went to Edinburgh. Yeah. You guys went to Paris. Paris. You guys traveled with this thing. It got super popular. Mm-hmm. Even performed it for George himself. Yep. George Lucas himself at Skywalker Ranch. Wow. That's and right. uh, and then you guys weren't doing it anymore. That's right. What happened? Well, we well, talk, talk about the time frame. Like like you guys started it when you were at USC. Yeah, it was actually started at SC. I was not a member of it uh-huh. to begin with. I watched it and sat in the audience and went. I really want to be a part of that. Like many actors, he probably sat there and goes, I could do that. Exactly. I could play that part. And then, yeah. Well, that was in like 90s. Like like anyone watching Chris O'Donnell, (laughs) I could do that. Yeah. And Batman and Robin's like, I could do that better. But no, that was 96. Okay. When they were doing that. And then they went to Edinburgh. And then years passed. And in 2001, I heard they were doing it in Paris. Mm -hmm. Um, And I got involved with, it was like probably the fifth, Sixth, seventh, eighth cast. Oh, really? To go through. So you're it. not original. Okay. I'm not the original, you're an original cast. Fan. I'm an okay. original fan. And then Lucasfilm finally heard about it. Um, what, what? What? Yeah, they were like, "Hey, this is making waves." Because it would go to Edinburgh. Are we cool with this, George? <laughs> yeah. It, it it would it would you know it finally got out there. Like uh-huh. in Edinburgh, there was like always, always, always good reviews. Lines around the corner. It was the Edinburgh French Fest, and then Paris, and then it was written up in Paris, which was the production I was in. Uh-huh. And then 
Lucasfilm asked um, the creator of the show, Patrick T. Gorman, um, to do the show for Celebrations Part 2. Okay. For, it, for well, at uh, the Star Wars convention. Okay. Okay. So, oh, yeah. I remember those. Those are yeah. really big conventions. Are they still doing, like, Star Wars Celebration conventions? Yeah, Celebration yeah. every year still. Are they still doing? Yeah, because yeah, that was the last time we did the show, which was, like, two years ago. Okay. At Celebrations 4. Okay. So you can see how many there are. They, they like, span them out, like, every three years or okay. something like that. And you did, so, you went up to Skywalker Ranch. Yeah. A little bit of Celebration. So we did Celebrations 2. Um, long story short, I called Patrick personally and asked, I'll be a tree. I'll be an Ewok. Mm. I'll be... A stormtrooper. I don't care. He then said, "Well, come in." And then uh, I did my Alec Guinness impression, <laughs> which, goes. which, oh, which you have to wait and see. Yeah, you have to watch. Oh. Um, and then uh, he asked me to be a part of it. And then um, after just many, many runs, I became Obi Wan Kenobi and the Emperor, uh, <laughs> as well as that Ewok and stormtrooper that I wanted so bad. <laughs> and um, yeah, everybody does different parts, you know. You uh, and and and, and, and what, what, the charm of it too is that. It is a, a, a quick and dirty production. Yeah. You know, people are, are, are using, reusing props, costumes, in oh, yeah. creative ways. We've had the same props for probably 10 years. Uh-huh. Um, wiffle ball bats as lightsabers, um, you know, water guns as uh, pistols, mm-hmm. folding chairs for X-wings. Um, <laughs> what else? You know, anything you can possibly, like uh, flashlights to be the holograms, uh-huh. all that kind of stuff. And it's like, you know, it's in 30 minutes. It's actually like being a kid. Right. Being on stage, but vroom, you know, vroom, 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 doing the sound you, effects. You just right. grab whatever you have to your disposal as a kid and use it in the Star Wars universe, and that's what we do. And we get it because I mean we're so familiar with Star Wars. I mean there was that that point in my life before high school yeah. where my friend Andy Dierks and I spent an entire summer just watching the Holy Trilogy over and over again. Mm-hmm. When we finally got to high school and people started watching Star Wars with us, we were doing the R two D two beeps. Oh yeah, like we memorized it so well. We're doing we're doing the Wookiee stuff. We're do, I mean we're not just saying the lines here. We're doing the sound effects, and people are just like shut the fuck up, you that's, losers. That's what we do. I mean, and you're and you're doing these shout outs. I mean, you guys get down to the to the to the smallest little details here in the yeah. Star Wars universe. Well, Patrick was he was brilliant in how he grabbed all the perfect lines, every line that yeah. you quote as a kid, or that it also tells a story, and just did it and got it to thirty minutes. Yeah. And so there is the sound effects. I do some of the sound effects. The whole cast does all the sound effects. Right. We're backstage doing things like when Obi Wan's voice booms on Dagobah, yep. you know, and says he will learn patience. That's me somewhere in the back. Um, <laughs> you know, all these things that everybody does. Um, it's it's just so much fun. So and it's in thirty minutes. And why did you guys stop doing it? Um, we just you know we had a run. We did, like I said, we did it for Lucas. We did it for what was um, that like? Were you guys? Was he sitting in a, an audience or was it just personal? Yeah, it was he's um, behind a piece just of him in one chair. He, he's yeah, behind a glass, <laughs> like in a David Lynch movie. He turns around and goes, "Now stop." I know. Exactly. That's what it felt like. Oh, yeah. Really? But they put us in. I'll tell you, they put us in right. their Skywalker theater, like the big theater that uh-huh. they show all their movies. And if you've ever been on stage, have you ever been on stage doing a theater play? It's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. you have to, you know, you have to project and mm-hmm. you have to, you know, throw your, your voice out there so the back person hears mm-hmm. it. Well, in a theater... Swinging for the cheap seats. Right. But in a movie theater, they have these great speakers that oh. boom out. So they that sucked all of our voices into these huge speakers. Uh-huh. And so we literally had to yell oh, at the really? top of our lungs because we were doing it for all of Skywalker um, Lucasfilm. Oh, Sorry. wow. We then did it for ILM the next day. We did three shows back-to-back-to-back for ILM the next day. Did they give you any special effects advice? Mm, yeah, they, they really, they said, God, with a bigger budget. Really, with the wiffle ball really bat? T- yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, you know, we have notes. And mm-hmm. so we listened. Um, we needed, you know, oh, 30 wow. million. But, yeah. Uh, you <laughs> know, that, cool. had some ideas. But we did it, so yeah, we did it at the Skywalker Sound um, Theater, and Lucas was in the middle of all of his Lucasfilm minions, mm-hmm. and then... Get between um, me and the geeks, yeah. just in case they rush me. Well, he came over and he yeah. talked to us afterwards, and... Yeah, there's a picture. I've seen mm-hmm. the picture. What did he say? Um, pretty much nothing. <laughs> he, he actually... He came up to you, he, stared at you, and walked wait, away? What? kind of felt that way. Actually, he came up, and he... You know, everybody shook his hand, and, and, and our director, Patrick, said, hey, and it was right when he was um, writing episode three. And quote, so, unquote, writing. Quoting. <laughs> Someone had to give him the actor's lines. It was that Some... manatee thing from, from South Park. <laughs> yeah. that's, how I, that's how the prequels happen. Yeah. Manatees. Guys, yeah. I'm really busy. 
He's, yeah. he's watching like stage productions and shit. Yeah, he's like, he's like what if this part, everyone, can, uh, whatever. Well, that's what my, my director asked. He said, if you need any help cutting down the script, let me know. And Lucas went, oh, I'll take that into, cons- I'll take that into consideration. Yeah, very, he Wait, was just kind of standing Your director there. had the balls to say that? Mm-hmm. That's a pretty ballsy shit. I thought it was, no, it was awesome. It was, you know. Casual, casual. Casual. Okay. And, and taken, I just remember. He should have taken him up. If he, if he can do the original Star Wars trilogy in 30 minutes, yeah. he should have taken the guy up. Yeah. That's, I totally agree. Because the second trilogy in nine hours is a little hard to sit through. Yeah, and everybody's asked us if we're doing the, the prequel trilogy to, which we say, no. You're not acknowledging it. No. I think, some people, I think some people should do that and just goof on it. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Thirty minutes. Well, well. So well, you they, guys stopped doing it. Now you're bringing it back. You guys have two shows this coming weekend. If you're in LA, they're at Beverly Hills High. There's a production at two o'clock. There's mm-hmm. a production at eight o'clock. It's only it's only ten bucks. Gilmore. It's ten bucks. You know we've been doing when? this. It's next Saturday, Saturday the fifteenth. Saturday the fifteenth. That's what I'm here really pushing. Yeah. It's um, two shows, two o'clock, and an eight o'clock show at Beverly Hills High School. Visit uh, www.starwars330.com. So okay. starwars30.com, and all the yeah. ticket info is there. You can call. You can call a number. You can uh, email, and it's basically you'll get your ticket. It's a 1,500 seat theater. We're selling out, but we still have you know a good sized portion of tickets. And so all you LA people, this I've is got, this is gonna be it. Yeah, it's three zero or three zero. Three zero. Yeah, I've got I've got two tickets for the two o'clock. Because we're showing Shaun of the Dead as part of the Hollywood Outdoor Cinema later on. Right. But guys, 2 o'clock, 8 o'clock, the tickets are only $10. And it's not like they go into Mark Riley's pocket. These are actually, the the impetus for putting this production back together, what what happened here? You guys don't do it for a while. And then what happened? Yeah, we have a mutual friend of the cast had um, two brain aneurysms. What? How old is she? Two? Yeah. She's uh, she? she 30, I believe. She's 30? She's 30 and she had... And oh, so shit, I'm 30. She, um, I might have one right here on YouTube. So this is essentially a fundraiser um, to pay for her medical bills because uh, she didn't have insurance. Oh, my God. So, oh, no. So, so we're really trying to get the word out there. I mean, she's just... Is she okay? Awesome. She's okay. Yeah, but, you know... But she's got these bills. She's got these bills to pay, and so Jesus. what do theater geeks and geeks in general do? They do what they love, and they yeah. do... And they ask people for help, and but you're gonna get a, a hell of a show out of it because Holy we haven't shit. done it for three years, two years now since Have Celebration Four. You guys been rehearsing four. this? Yes, we've okay. been rehearsing. Okay, and just make sure, man. We're trying to hit here, sitting here. Well, after you've done the show, I think this crew like of ten people has done the show probably over four hundred times. Holy together. crap! Yeah, I would say so. Because you gotta think, we did Celebration Two. It's only thirty minutes, right? Mm-hmm. So you can do a couple. Celebration times a day. Two, Celebration Three, uh-huh. Skywalker Ranch, ILM, Comic Con, one year. Sure. We did a year run, um, and at the Cornet Theater, wow. we did two shows every weekend. <laughs> no, three shows every weekend for a, almost a year, um, and then we did it again at Celebrations Four, and we get to do it again. And this is like bringing the band back together. Yeah. Yeah. So, so if you guys want the reunion show. You get two chances at it this coming Saturday, two o'clock and eight o'clock, at the Beverly Hills High. Yes. Star Wars thirty three zero dot com dot com. You guys can Please get RSVP. Out. I think it'd be a lot of fun. I will definitely be there for the two o'clock yeah. uh, show. I got an extra ticket. I'm excited about it. Um, yeah, and, and man, those medical expenses. That you know. So it's, uh, for, it's for a really good cause, but everybody's gonna really have fun because you. If anybody hasn't seen this show, it's probably you know it's Lucasfilm. Lucas approved, and I have not seen it, so I'm excited about it. The the one thing too, love it. Uh, speaking of excellent shows, our movie this week for movie reviews is Stephen Summers' GI Joe: The Rise of Cobra. Um, Best movie of the summer. Guys, this thing, when you think summer blockbuster... You think action-packed thrill ride. You think a big cast of characters coming together with star-studded actors portraying classic characters that you've loved your entire life. Think of emotional depth. You think of emotional depth. You think of, you know, really the, the cream of the crop coming together to, to bring you something on the silver screen. That's a different movie. Um, this has <laughs> a lot of those elements... Yeah. But somehow they don't really meet up. This is G.I. Joe, The Rise of Cobra, which 
kind of gives a bit of an origin spin to a lot of those characters that we thought were so disposable. We blew them up with firecrackers as eight-year-olds. <laughs> Remember you twist them until they... Oh, you they, twist them until the rubber band and snaps. <laughs> and then their feet would swing around and I would go... And, like, Storm Shadow would be, you know, doing Saturday Night Fever. Yeah. <laughs> I mean... No, I would awesome. get mad when my friends did that because then, like, their legs would, like, they would turn into, like, paraplegics when you tried yeah. to stand them up. Or the rubber band would break and yeah. then every... And that's then right where just... you fit... That's where you fit the black cat, right there in the middle. Right. Well, well yeah. You, half. Yeah, I, I also did the the blender, and then drop them in a um, thing of water and freeze them. Oh, that that's new. Fun. Yeah. So this movie. Uh, <laughs> so maybe we didn't respect these wow. characters that much. Okay, so this movie, um, guys, I was a big GI Joe fan growing up, it was huge. D- despite what you might have seen in some of my stand-up. But uh, I did like GI Joe, Transformers, Ninja Turtles, all that stuff. And I gotta tell you, like, what the hell is up with the adaptations that take something? Don't get why it works, mm. and then just start packing on or some really bad padding. This is a movie that I mean, I like Deep Rising. I like the first two Mummy movies. Those were Steven Summers' fun movies. Mm-hmm. The Van Helsing, okay, oh, sure. And, but then you got this GI Joe movie, mm-hmm. and you you kind of have to forgive the cast because some of the actors are really good. Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Dennis Quaid, you, these are good actors. Nice so when you see so, so when you see someone like the Wayne brother get put in this, even though they're bad, you're like, okay, but the good actors are bad too. So what's really going on here? There are so many effects that are just mind-numbing in this movie. It almost yeah, it almost gets you right through the bad dialogue in yeah. the really horrible story. I thought I thought actually the girls were the best part. Yeah, that was the Smoking. only redeemable part. How yeah. hot Scarlet was. Yeah, Scarlett and uh, Sienna Miller as the. They were both Sienna and and Rachel Nichols were. Yeah. They were awesome. They were like what I thought the character, like what I imagined sure. Scarlett and the Baroness to be. But then everything else. They, I, they put lips on snake eyes. I know. I know. That's I like, couldn't, and I couldn't even tell from the poster that it, they had put that lips. It, that they had put lips, but then all of a sudden. They did this shot, and he's like looking at you, and I was like, oh, "The guy doesn't talk. He hasn't talked since he was twelve years old. Why does he need lips on his mask? It's the same kind of, uh, kind of, Optimus weird Prime, like, lips. Yeah, it's the same yeah. kind of thing that makes him go. You know what? That guy doesn't have a mouth. I don't think the audience is gonna get it. Let's let's give him vagina lips, like Optimus Prime. <laughs> they, Optimus Prime, they give him robot vagina lips. Yeah. I know. You know what I mean? Much like the common robot vagina lips are used. Yeah, as if as if you can't just have a guy speaking through a mask. I know. You know? Well, he, and he, we've never seen never ninjas before, so thank you for that. Because we've never seen ninjas before. Right. We've never seen somebody talk through a faceplate. Like Shredder. Okay? Like, thank you for that Hollywood. We had no idea it was him who's talking. Because maybe he's the only guy on the screen. Um, well, they, he, and this he, guy doesn't even talk. That was the whole thing. I didn't... I didn't I didn't understand. He doesn't talk, so you don't need the lips. So speaking of uh, them taking some liberties, especially with this origin story, we, we've got an intertwine of Duke's origin, the Baroness's origin, and... Cobra Commander's. Cobra Command, if that's what you want to call him. Cobra Commander's origin. You, you've got all these characters Destro's kind of... Destro's origin. Kind of have Death, Destro's origin. You've got all of them kind of coming to, together in one place. Mm-hmm. Um, you never got that in the, in the comics mm-hmm. or, or the... Or the you do the, the comics, cartoon, right? yeah. I, I used to read. I used to read all those comics, yeah. and uh, and it kind of gives it layers that it doesn't need. Mm-hmm. Okay. And those layers become the the backbone that you don't need for a movie that has a lot of pieces you don't need. And even though this movie stays within the two hour time limit, it really feels like a three hour movie. Oh my yeah, god, it felt eternal. This movie felt forever. There are so many set pieces that like just seem ridiculous. Well, it's st- and. and- and I will say, I really liked, I started to really dig the beginning, and I was like, okay, I'm following this, this is now, great. Which is the beginning, the one that, that threw you back a couple centuries? Well, the well, origin okay, of Destro's okay. storyline? Sure, not, I mean, that, not Man that beginning. Man. That Man was, of the Iron that Mask? Was, yeah, that was like, huh? And then we moved on. I mean, you can literally go through every scene in, the, in, in, in G.I. Joe, Rise of Cobra, and be like, oh, they must have seen this movie, because they blatantly stole from it. Mm. The no, Storm yeah. Shadow fight with, with, with uh, Snake Eyes at the end? Mm-hmm. What's silly about that one? Snake Eyes versus Storm Shadow at the end is Ray Park is playing Snake Eyes. He was also playing Darth Maul right. in the scene from Episode One that they lifted from. Yeah. yeah. Storm Shadow gets taken out the same way Darth Maul did, and they even give him the dual blades. It's like, can you be a little less blatant, yeah. please? <laughs> like this yeah. is just 
You're not even trying at this See, point. The geeks. I didn't they put know. that together because I was uh, trying to stay awake. <laughs> yeah, G- Gilmore. Th- this movie hurt. Hurt. Yeah. And Channing Tatum as Duke. I, I what I like is that I'm all it, for underwear models working. Guys, <laughs> Channing, you've given you a couple movies. Let's see if this one works for you. But you know what? I think I like how in this economy, when when studios are trying to find creative ways around things, and they're like, you know what? We can't get Mark Wahlberg or Paul Walker. We'll put them in one body. Yeah. There's Channing Tatum, right the there. Sa- sounds like Mark Wahlberg, can look like a Paul Walker, Chris Evans type. Mm-hmm. But you kind of get less of both but when you put him that, in one. But, but he has that red state like vapidness to him. Uh, I mean, this is. I mean, the, the guy's beige. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like, you want to color something? You want to color it beige? Probably not the most exciting color. It's beige. Beige. You end up with beige. But, you know, when you can't pick a color, it ends up beige. But you can bounce a lot of things off of beige. You know, it goes with black. You can't bounce this cast with... off of beige. <laughs> I mean... Oh, you're right. Jesus. No, but they, they also, they squoze, squoze in... Um, what is a squoze? <laughs> they squoze in the That's first... a word now. Did you know, did you know the first ten minutes after the, you know, Man of the Iron Man thing with D'Artagnan? Yeah. D'Artagnan. With D'Artagnan. Um, they, uh, they, they squoze in uh, knowing is half the battle. Yep. He's a real Kung, American hero. Kung Fu Grip. And Kung Fu Grip. They got it all in. getting him out there as soon as they possibly so, could. So some, 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 some guy is sitting there going, you know what, the fans are going to want this. <laughs> yeah, fan, 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 fans are gonna want this, man. You know what they're gonna want? They're gonna want this shit. No, they're gonna want this shit right that's here. That's exactly that is exactly what I imagined. The uh, the guy who was writing this was like, was like, oh, like right after he wrote that line, he like stopped writing, got up from the desk, is like, oh. Well, listen, yes. that man I think is talented. Stuart Beatty I Stuart, think is yeah. talented. What? No, mm-hmm. he's not. What has he done? I liked. Fuck it. I, he... I liked Australia. I'll fight you right he now. Australia? Yeah. He what did? the hell? And he's written this movie. Halo Fall of Reach, I think it's just a treatment right now, but he's written this approach to Halo that's gotten Steven Spielberg excited yeah, about it, with the this. possibility of redoing this Halo idea, which, you know, how the uh, Peter Jackson, Neil Blomkamp Halo kind of fell out. Mm-hmm. What happened? Halo might happen again, but because this guy, Stuart Beatty... Wrote a, a treatment that excited Spielberg. Was guess. there was there a single line in the movie though that didn't hurt you? No, no. no but, but this is what? one of the only why? movies who, at the end, I think that all the creative roles should have had quotes next to them. Mark, like it guess? should have been directed by, <laughs> written by, <laughs> produced by. Well, that's the thing about the written by. I read. I I was able to do an internship somewhere years ago where I got to read a uh, a draft of GI Joe uh-huh. that just had Stuart's name on it, uh-huh. just him. Oh, and it was good. It was good. It was good. It was really good. And then and they just doubted themselves. And, and then how many writers were on GI Joe? Like eighty-seven. There was yeah. like all these names that just kept popping up. Well, so and, and what too year many, was too many was, cooks in the kitchen? What, what year man. was that, Mark? That was two thousand six. Okay, since two thousand six, it's now two thousand nine. We've mm-hmm. had uh, you know there, there's there's turnovers of studios, there's turnover of production companies. Everybody and that, was, who comes, and that was a year old draft. Everybody who comes in has to put their stamp on it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because because yeah. in two thousand six, two thousand seven, we had a pretty big turnover at Paramount. The head of the studio left Paramount, yeah. and it got replaced. Every time someone comes in, they have to be like, you know what? I'm gonna put my own stamp on it. They take something like a like a really good Stuart Beatty draft. And even though legally, or with the guild, they can't take his name off of it, yeah. they have to put their own stamp on it. Because you know what? If they go ahead with that script that he wrote, and it turns out being a big success, then it goes credited to the earlier right. regime at Paramount. And what's that guy got hired? What did that guy get hired for? You know what I mean? So, so you have to protect your job by coming in there, cleaning the slate as much as you can, and being like, now everything that goes forward will be with my name on it. Yeah, and, and I'll tell did. you, it was a page one rewrite. It was... Oh. So Stuart Beatty's name is just gone. in there, just... Yeah, I don't think he did... I mean, I think yeah. he did the original, and then that was it. And then there was lots of... Excuse me, did you hear that? Anybody else heard that? Right. Burped. Um, and then a lot of people... Because he's attached to a lot time. of big budget movies that are supposed to be coming out. Like, remember the, the John Woo uh, Spy Hunter that was supposed to happen? Yeah. And then the Tarzan that they're going to do, a live-action Tarzan. Like, he's part of some big summer movies, and... Uh, and as far as summer movies go, I think Stuart Beatty may be a, a really good choice for writing your script. But this, 
this is something, I don't know, man. Like, you know what? Maybe if he'd gone in and gotten his name removed, he wouldn't have gotten the paycheck that this might turn into. But yeah. you know what? I don't know who to blame for this thing. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know who to blame for this. You because, sound, you sound it, like your kid totaled your car, but you this, don't know which one did. This you is, just sit the whole family down. Because this is what I'm looking at. I'm like, I'm like you know what? It, it, it has a director I like, you know, for summer blockbusters. But mm. it didn't feel like that good. Yeah, it, it's got a cast which I've seen good in other places, but they're not that good. And it's got a script written by, instigated by a guy who I think is a pretty good Hollywood writer. This script was a joke. Yeah. You know, so looking at the lamest summer movie. Yeah, I was really sad. Which is really sad. what this is. I was really remember, sad. Remember I at just... the end when they were all walking all cool and so Oh yeah. Let's have another shout out to the right stuff. Jesus. So guys. I gotta tell you, if you're doing an Air Force movie or a military movie or a, we gotta stop an asteroid from hitting the Earth, going forward as a filmmaker, if you ever get that chance, please do not do the right stuff shot again. Yeah. We've seen it a million damn times. Mm-hmm. We've seen it a million damn times. It's never good. And what's funny is, wasn't Dennis Quaid in the right stuff? <laughs> Dennis Quaid was in that movie And then he's in this shot Doing it again Just like Ray Park was in episode 1 As a dude with a dual lightsaber Fighting a guy in this movie Was a dual sword And then setting him down a fucking conveyor shaft Like It's like the, There are actors on set who are like sitting there going Wait I've seen this before yeah. You hack motherfuckers Like Okay, how much are you gonna pay me to relive some of my some, some right. years past? But I just thought of something. Remember when Duke was taking on Snake Eyes and he had that weird electric thing? That was what those guys had in Episode Three. The little things on the end that that would and then you know. I didn't see that more than once. So you know what? You, gotta, you know what? When you bring up a point about this movie, it's really funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, with a movie like this, if you have a question about it, the only real answer is who gives a shit. I got back. I went to the, to the bathroom. I came back. William Bibiani, who I went to see it with, who's hilarious, one of our writers, he turns to me and goes, "Oh, uh, while you were gone," and I go, "Who cares? Who cares? Who cares?" <laughs> yeah, I was. I was. The was good news is, more. and then the credits uh, song. I, I just, oh yeah. Like the shitty version of like the. Was it yo? Was it yo song. yo or? No, it was a. Uh, it was I a, left. <laughs> it was a song from the only bad Black Eyed Peas CD. Hmm. Yeah, like a bad remix. It's just like, what does that have anything to do with GI Joe? Like, you couldn't get anything GI Joe, or maybe some weird, even a rap. You know, like even a rap of the theme song or something. This movie well, pummels you into submission mentally. And well, I'm, they, I've submitted. I'm done. Same with Transformers Two. No, it no, was no. Just, Transformers Two was like uh, was like Golden Globe caliber compared to that. <laughs> no, no. I, I, there were I, a no, couple I can't. shots here, like they're like when they're flying over sand dunes or over the ocean, and I was like, "What? Did you use the engine from Mist to make yes! that CGI? Yes! That is miserable. <laughs> that is fucking miserable. Why am I watching someone play Mist? And it, That's it, what. Like, yeah. Digital Domain, who did some of the effect shots, I don't know if that was a shot that was farmed to you. It may have been farmed to one of the smaller production companies. Don't take credit for it if it was, because yeah. that shot. That's, I the worst, that too. that's the worst CG I've seen in a really so long wait, time. Wait, yeah. they just ordered more shots. But we gotta shoot. We gotta shoot, film. We gotta shoot. We gotta ship these film reels in, in a week. It's like just get some of the interns to slap something together. Like <laughs> that looked I like, felt the like I was watching from the day after tomorrow. Is what everything looked. Remember that? Oh, dude. Were the CG wolves? Yeah, where they're chasing Jake Gyllenhaal with mist down the fire. Like there's frost chasing him down the. Yeah, wall no, and they had like CG. Remember the CG BM or uh, Volkswagen? For no reason, it's like, oh, I wonder what's gonna. Ha- I wonder if this is gonna explode in four seconds. Oh, yeah. I didn't even finish my drink in the theater. Uh oh. I was so because I couldn't drink when I was like this. <laughs> well, I, I'm gonna get. I mean, geez, I'm gonna go into seizures with these Hollywood blockbuster movies now. Every time with Transformers two and with GI Joe, I walked out of there with a headache. Nothing. Literally a headache. Now. You know, where I was just like, it just got to a point where there was so many explosions just one after the other. And you even said it, you're like, oh, I wonder if that's going to explode. Before you even can finish your thought, it, it, something's exploding in your face. Yeah. You know, like, but you know someone's uh, uh, achieved a new level of crap when, when, <laughs> when you walk out of the theater with more respect, um, with, with more respect for the Transformers movies. As you're walking out, you're See, like, you know what? This, you know what? When you walk out with more respect for Michael Bay walking out of a new movie, 
That's when you know someone thinks achieved a new level of crap. Yeah, the big, See, the big I, difference I'll... is that the spectacular spectacularity in the in Transformers <laughs> is bigger than the spectacular spectacularity in this thing or well, whatever it is. And you know what? You know, you know what this movie could use? Yeah, Mar- uh, this guy Marlon Wayans is that his name? The the Wayans brother in this one? That's yeah, Ripcord. Ripcord. Why didn't they? Uh, you know what? What was Tyrese doing? This is a Tyrese movie. It's another Tyrese. No, a, he's the silly Tyrese. Yeah. Well, guess guess what? I'm gonna add my stamp on this. GI Joe better movie than Transformers Two. Nope. I'm, I'm saying nope. it right here. Nope. It is better it or is. more enjoyable. More enjoyable. No. But not better. Not better. No. Transformers. Same thing. Same yeah. thing. Transformers Two had Megan Fox. It had a what's it called story. Um, not well, really. Wait, what? There was we no did, story the, in Transformers Two. The collective too. geekscape just yelled, "What? No, yeah. Shit happened in Transformers Two. Nothing happened." Oh yeah, yeah it had they, that, they, that model chick shooting the big digital <laughs> tongue out. I was laughing my ass off. Meg, at that. I'm sorry, Megan <laughs> Fox. Nothing going on here. I know there's a lot. I know everybody's like she's the hottest thing since sliced bread. No, no, no. I think I think when there she, was nothing going on. I think with when her. she got off the bus in Hollywood, she she uh, she tripped and looked up in the Angelina Jolie guide to, to your career of crazy. Like was sitting in front of her and she's just been following it page by page. Yeah, I'm still you know, she's doing a good job of following that that, that career book. You know. More, no. more power to her, man. No, but that's a screw Transformers but 2 like and Megan I said, Fox. There was two, two better girls. Rachel Nichols and Sienna Miller were awesome oh, they were than so, Joe. So no, they were not. They oh, were they're, awesome looking. Yeah. They are awesome looking, but they, they at least had I, something going on. Again, I mean, seriously. I, again, I look at the parts. I cannot blame the parts. I can only yeah. blame what they put together because everybody was bad in this movie. And these are people who we've seen perform on higher levels before. Yeah. You know? But Dennis Quaid is always really hit or miss, though. He's Dennis Quaid. I mean, Listen, you gotta Dennis, give him respect. Listen, but Dennis he, Quaid was in fucking Enemy of Mine, man. Yeah, it was. Yeah. The guy can kill pieces of parts of my family, and, and I'll still forgive like, him. smart people. Hey, man. <laughs> you, you back the fuck off with smart people. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. You're about smart hey, people. Wow. Let me, let me tell I'm you impressed. something else about. Let me tell you something else about Dennis Quaid. About three years ago, I took Hank and Cheese to a. Okay, come on, man. I, I went by myself, but uh, there was a. Um, a pug ice cream social sponsored by one of the uh, local pug rescues and uh, I went social. I had some ice cream with Hank and Cheese and uh, and Dennis Quaid and his wife they own pugs they were there and he was very nice very social with everyone good and so you know what did you ask him about frequency I'm all for it dude frequency was the shit that movie frequency is the shit I'm serious I'm frequency not with love frequency Jim Caviezel yeah dude, I'll tell you right now Frequency? I fucking got teary-eyed. So did right. I. That I got movie's super great. teary-eyed in Frequency. It's a good movie to watch it with your papa. Dude, I was like, I'm going to call my dad at the end of this movie. Yeah. I'm going to do it through a radio in time, but I'm going to call my dad. <laughs> yeah, dude. No, no, no. No, no. No, so, don't, don't, no, hey, no. Hey. Roberto Asino. No, no. Excuse me? Perdóname, pero no. You back up off of Frequency, man. All right? All right? Put a check mark by that. You can put a big one. So, guys, big news this week. Uh, <clears throat> mentioned earlier that Gil, uh, Geek, Gilmore, that Geekscape has been in partnership with a new company here in LA called the Hollywood Outdoor Cinema. For those of you guys local to LA, I hope you guys have made it out to some of the screenings. I have seen some Geekscapists out there. We've had screenings of. Um, what have we had? We started off we, with Big we Lebowski. Started off, we started off with the Buffy mm. sing-along. Oh, yeah, the Buffy sing-along. We, we had, had a little Big Lebowski. Big Lebowski. We had like 600 peeps show. And then we had Ghostbusters. Wow. We, we had Ghostbusters. And then... Uh, Proton Pack. And then, and then Ryan, who's been running the uh, the Seattle version up in Seattle with his dad since like 91, uh, wanted to bring it to LA. We've been partnered here at Geekscape with him. With some pretty cool names, too. Some actually. great names. And the next movie that we had lined up was Pretty in Pink. And I'm walking out of a... For months. For months we've been planning this Pretty in Pink screening. It just happens that two, two, three days prior, two days prior, I'm walking out of a movie theater and I get a text from Gilmore that I think is a joke. And it was, did Ryan have John Hughes killed for promotion for the screening? And I go, what? Is John Hughes dead? And he said, yep. As of 30 minutes ago, John Hughes, at the age of 59, died of a heart attack while, while jogging. Is that right? Yeah. And it's... Horrible coincidence, but our our pink prom event. Like every time at these, if you guys have, you come to these things, if you want to come uh, and have a fun time at the drive-in, 
you go, you get your bench, you, you know, you get your chairs, you sit outside. But we have like events. We give out an Xbox to everyone. Uh, this one was supposed to be a pink prom event. So we had everybody dressed like the prom. We had a man in a prom dress. <laughs> it was a lot of fun. But this, you know, we had a, a prom photo booth set up to take prom photos. But we immediately had to turn it into like a sort of memorial celebration of that. Oh, yeah, so, you have to. Yeah, I mean, I would not have <clears> written <throat> Singledom, which you guys will see hopefully, I think, at the end of this month. I wouldn't have written Singledom. I wouldn't have written a lot of things if it wasn't for John Hughes. And as a screenwriter, writing, you know, about our demographic. God, just writing about anything yeah. you think of John Hughes. There, I mean, shoot, I write sometimes like fantasy action, but there'll, there'll be a line that'll come out, and I'm like, that's John Hughes. Mm-hmm. That's that's Ferris Bueller right there. That's right. that's Breakfast Club. That's that's everything. He that made me yeah. That that's did, Dutch. So, that's Dutch. That's Home Alone three. Dutch. That's right. Dutch. Dutch. Baby right. geniuses. Jim, Bel- Jim Belushi. No. No, that was Ed O'Neill. Ed O'Neill. Uh, but yeah, I mean he it, it, he wrote mm-hmm. the two the two really great uh, vacation movies. Mm-hmm. I mean. He, he for for he over all a, of them actually. He did Christmas he wrote, Vacation too. He wrote Christmas Vacation. Uncle Buck. Uh, Uncle, Uncle Buck. Buck. I remember seeing in the oh, theater and playing just loving it. That's his. And and so that's the Thanksgiving movie right there. <laughs> so so we've got this body of work that goes over a decade and has been so influential, and uh, you know I, it, it, it's uh, I, it, hey, we have yet to see another filmmaker writing in that kind of voice, influencing that kind of a generation. You know what I mean? He's he's the reason we're watching Kevin Smith movies. He's the reason so many filmmakers that we are fans of today are are doing what they're doing. You know, um, and nobody's tu- but nobody's touched John Hughes. Nobody's put a movie yeah, out there. I think there. that's what I'm saying. Yeah. That that that. I mean, even I love Kevin Smith and everything, but he, they're yeah. like if Kevin yeah. Smith John was consistent. He yeah, might. but John Hughes was like he did that streak of the '80s where mm-hmm. just every movie was just like right. right on. If you go through the IMDb, do you find Places where maybe you were like, okay, well, that one he just wrote, maybe he got away from him under the tutelage of like another. Because he didn't write that many, but yeah. he wrote a lot. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and just watching Pretty in Pink, you know, at this outdoor screening, like seeing the outpouring of love, it was easily our biggest crowd. Yeah. And we had a huge, huge, huge event, and uh, people were sad. It was crazy, but as much as they were sad, it was a. It, I think it was a fun celebration, um, and uh, yeah, I mean. What else can you say about the guy? Really? What else can you say? I was sad. Yeah. Like affected emotionally. Yeah, me too. It was weird. I mean, we I used to just... John Hughes. Earlier we had Michael Jackson. Wow. Now the white guys know what the blacks felt. <laughs> yeah, now the what? <laughs> now the white people know what the blacks felt. <laughs> I'm kidding. Michael Jackson was big for everyone. But no, I didn't... Right. Like, but because didn't he became feel, one of us. But I didn't feel that way. <laughs> oh, wow. What? <laughs> He did. But I, I didn't feel I didn't feel that way when Michael Jackson died though. John Hughes hit me immediately. Yeah. Michael Jackson took like me going to his star across the street and checking out like holy shit. Well, Michael like, Jackson. Michael here. Jackson had been eroded by the public yeah, he's image been, he's so been much going down a long that, that time. I mean John Hughes was never the the butt end of of late night talk show opening monologues. You know what well, I mean? Yeah, John Hughes though he kind of disappeared. Well, well he, he left he's Hollywood. Like, he left Hollywood, but he took in '97. He did left Hollywood, this? and in did you guys read that blog that that girl wrote about yes. writing back and forth? And awesome. he said that you know Hollywood killed one of my best friend John Candy, just worked him to death. Mm. And you're like, you know what? I can see somebody that has that kind of success. Being disenchanted by things like, oh, they fired, they took, got rid of Stuart Beatty's script and hired these guys to redo his GI Joe. Yeah. Okay. I can see how that wears on a creator after a while. Yeah. You know, you guys threw out my script and made Rise of the Cobra. Thanks for that. <laughs> um, speaking of creators, we are fans of here on the show. Uh, McGee has talked about Terminator Five publicly. Saying that, mm-hmm. you know what? The reason I got such criticism, I'm paraphrasing here, but I think he believes that the reason people were critical of Terminator 4 was people don't like his name. They just want to hate him. Mm. Joe McGinty? I, I let the film speak for itself. You, you didn't like it? Terminator 4 did speak to it for itself. Yeah, no one liked it. Uh, it, it was someone staring really? at me, yelling at me, and then pouring a bunch of sewage on my head, <laughs> and then walking off. Uh, I liked it. Terminator 4. As a screenwriter, Mark, you are losing points with me on Terminator 4. Because this is a script. So 
and your dogs. That again. Dogs are losing points. That me. again. Th this script does the prequels. It pulls mm -hmm. the prequels in making the original source material worse than it was. Kyle Reese goes back in time, mm -hmm. never having seen the Arnie Terminator. It's something new. Yet in this retribution or whatever the hell this Terminator was, he'd seen the damn thing and he was younger. Oh. So now the facts start not lining up. Okay, and then it, it just just the leaps of logic. I am ashamed. In number four, if you watch this thing again, and I tell you don't, you don't have to. Just the, <laughs> just the leaps of logic in no, this movie, I get that. and it's just sloppy. It's bad. They, they, they take a protagonist and they dilute him by filling in a, uh, a supporting cast that you don't care about and they, they, he shares time with this Terminator character you have to care about and know about you don't whatever I mean you don't well, you end up yeah, not, that you knew the movie is boring shit a mile away because of the, so all bad. the trailers and everything so you knew he was going to be a Terminator and why then... are we spending so much time with this guy he's he's beige okay um, <laughs> beige as a, as, a, as a screenwriter, Mark, please. Yes. I, I'm going to have to ask you to change your vote. So, <laughs> oh, now. If, you, if, 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 if we, we are going to support you. But he's now. basically talking about, like, oh, What's yeah. He, uh, he goes, I'm excited for T5. I'm going to do it and just let the film speak for itself. Well, he uh, says he's going to put it modern, too, which I don't get. So talk about your twists and logic and, and everything he's moving around. He's going to have around. a modern spin on the Well, future. he's going to go back to the future. Back Wait. to the past. Or back Present to the Present day. Ba back to the past. Yeah, thank you. Which is now. Which is now. <laughs> you know what I we don't need, know what Gilmore? I think, I think we need a prop uh, somewhere off camera called the Geekscape bag of who gives a fuck. <laughs> and when we talk about something like this, we put it in the Geekscape bag of who gives a fuck because we're done. That's a genius idea. We're you done. one of those tote bags. Yeah. Oh, we're selling those tote bags. They've been selling again. Every time I'm like, oh, I'm going to lower the price of t-shirts. More orders. Oh, good. Tell the audience that. Yeah, guys. You're I think smart. You know, no, no. From here on out, T-shirts, I'm button? lowering them to 10 bucks. Hey! How much are your buttons? I'm wearing one. You take one home. Buttons come free. Bum, hey. button, buttons come free with orders. Uh, so, guys, awesome. speaking of stuff we can get behind, um, Iron Man 2 Comic-Con footage. I saw that. How was it? Somebody leaked it on the, on the internet. Oh, man. I'm down. I'm down. Gary really? Shandling. Scarlet? There's a couple little shots of, uh, of Scarlett Johansson as the Black Widow. And you know what? For the little flash shots that you get, pretty cool. She's a horrible actress. How dare you, sir? <laughs> I think she's fine. She's, she's and uh, she's and and in this stuff, I gotta tell you what excited me the most is seeing. Uh, there's one click, like quick glimpse at the very end of it of War Machine just fucking unloading with the shoulder-mounted Gatling gun, just unloading with his guns, and you're like, you know what? I've never been here nor there with with War Machine in the comics. But on the on the big screen, just busting out, you will understand how different he is from Iron Man, because he's all about just the arsenal. He's yeah. the, he is the army, you know. Where where Tony Stark is the industrialist, and he built this battery that's basically a, a suit of armor with a couple weapons, but are really just repulsor rays. Mm -hmm. War Machine is 100% a weapon. It's not a battery. With repulsor rays, it's a weapon, and it's badass seeing it unload on a, on a screen. Oh, I want to see it. That looks awesome. Showed whiplash too. Showed some whiplash. Showed some some Mickey Rourke just going nuts with the whiplash. I think you've seen that shot of Mickey Rourke as whiplash on yeah. this on the track. You also see some Mickey Rourke working in his workshop. You know, uh, he's working on stuff, and uh, and then you see him unleashing his whiplash. You can see how that guy would be able to dole out some serious damage. And something that took me by surprise was the 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 clip started. With a pretty extended scene of Tony Stark with his helmet off because he's open, whatever. I told you guys I was Iron Man sitting in that donut coffee shop off the 405. Yeah, I heard about that. He's sitting in there with Nick Fury having a conversation about, "I'm not going to join your team. I already told you before." And Nick Fury is like, "You know what? We're here for real." Yeah. And uh, and it's like a long scene with with Samuel Jackson as Nick Fury and Tony Stark talking about putting together the Avengers. So this is. So do you think the scene at the end yeah, of Incredible Hulk that moved a little bit? That's awesome. Takes place after this. After this, I think so. Yeah. I mean, sooner or later they're because he's uh, putting together a team. Yeah. Blah blah blah. Right. Well, so all so. this shit is pre-Hulk. This is pre-Hulk here. Oh, I think so. Yeah. Which well, is good. good. I think that's great. I love because, the Hulk uh, because yeah. I was just like, "Why are you making Iron Man two? Give me my Ant Man and all this other shit, so we can get to the Avengers." Oh, you're getting to the Avengers. This is all going to get to the Avengers, and then you know that this month they started rolling some film on uh, Thor. Thor. So I'm let's really get this thing. I know you like that stuff, man. 
You like that stuff. A lot of sweaty dudes in armor. You mm. love that stuff. Long hair. Like well, why is talk about you can pretend they're chicks? Like, wow, that came out. Came <laughs> out of like a closet over there. That was um, all that came out. There was uh, like like Stephen Summers and GI Joe versus like what Marvel does, and they get these filmmakers that that they that they trust and that they just go, you know what, we trust you. And there's only like two writers on Iron Man. There's only like one on Iron Man two. What's well, um, the studio putting a product together? I mean, uh, Marvel. But that you see the better quality of the yeah, movie. Yeah, Mar Marvel is in control of their stories, and they've been, you know, they've been working on these filmmakers. They've had relationships with John Favreau going back before Zathura and those movies that he made. I mean, they've been speaking to Edgar Wright about Ant Man yeah. since he before maybe he made Shaun of so the Dead. So they're nurturing. They're, they, like, they're nurturing their they're talent. Very, and, you know what and I mean? Look what comes out. That's look, why I just wanted to bring look, that out look as a creator. Something, look at know? something that Zach Penn wrote for Marvel Studios. Mm -hmm. And then write for something that Zach Penn wrote for Fox, like Fantastic Four or X Three. Right. You know, and and, and and see what it what what that kind of process does to the exact same writer. Yeah. You know what I mean? They so I don't at hate the studio, on Zach Penn. It's like the, no, but they're but, like beating him down, and, and they're you gotta, saying like you got to do this, you, you got to put this. Well, in you gotta here. Well, you got to work through regime changes, yeah, politics and things like that, and the character and the story aren't always the central part of the process. Right. It sounds like Marvel. They're like, you know what? These are our, our stars. You know what I mean? Yeah. At a place like, yeah, I mean, at, at some of those big studios are like, what star can we plug into this? Yeah. It's like, you know what? Iron Man's your fucking star. Yeah. Um, I also saw the kick ass Comic Con footage. It was exactly as Nar said two episodes ago. It is badass. And you know what? Nick Cage is in it. And I still think it's badass. And I still think, I'll tell you right now, I think Nick Cage is badass in it. Because Nick Cage isn't he trying to, he's, he's not trying to put over cool. He's trying to put over just a normal guy that you can believe in. And I was totally down for it. I can't wait for that. Guys, the violence in this trailer is out of control. In this, I mean, it's not a trailer. It's a bunch of clips. It made me a kick-ass fan, again. So I'm down with And the, he did that I'm all by himself. He said, screw everybody. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to make the movie I want to make. And that's why yeah, I love this is and I can't huge. wait. I love Stardust. And this is going to be great. Uh, yeah. Did you see I, the second where the wild things are trailer? Yes, yes, the second Where the Wild Things trailer looks like your perfect movie, Gilmore. That's going to be beautiful. I, I, I teared up with that trailer again. I when think... it says, let, let the wild rumpus start. Yeah. But that irked me because in the book, it's begin. Oh. oh. It's let the wild rumpus begin. Part of you died that day. Yeah. Uh, this is Gilmore sitting in traffic movie. on his way to work. Gilmore sitting in traffic and he really just wants to be there. <laughs> this is Gilmore sitting across from Leah at dinner. He no. really just wants to be there. This is, where this is Gilmore getting yelled at by his show. mom all over the phone. He really just wants to be there. Gilmore checking his bank statement. He really just wants to be there. Ouch. Writing out a fucking rent check. He really wants to be there. You need and, and that's been your life since you were twelve. You want to be anywhere over here. Getting getting berated by Jonathan on Geekscape. He really just wants to be that's there. That's what I want. Um, guys, a uh, little bit more movie news. Uh, you know this this uh, revolving door of who's involved in the Green Hornet movie. Jeez, I'm glad that they finally got some. Um, they, they've got finally got it solidified a little bit. You got Kato. you got Cato, this guy Jay Chow. He is a singer, actor, filmmaker. Uh, he came in, he knocked the socks off of Michelle Gondry. Had a great read with Seth Rogen, who you know what? I went and saw Funny People again. This is good. Oh, you saw it again. I went and saw it again. I, I had seen it earlier. So you liked I it that it much? Um, I, I wanted Laura to see it, especially oh. now that she's been. You know, dragged to all my stand-up stuff, and she gets the world a little bit more. Yeah. And uh, and since I had started to do more stand-up since seeing it the first time, and I was like, you know what, I'm down. Yeah. Uh, the movie has the same things we talked about last week, but uh, Seth Rogen, I am a fan of everyone in that movie. Yeah. Um, guys, speaking of, you know, you're. I don't. I don't want to. Uh, you know. Mark here might be back on the couch here in a little bit. He's actually uh, writing. He wrote a science fiction movie. I don't know how much we can talk about, but he wrote a science fiction Ooh, movie yeah. that they're actually going to put into production here pretty soon. Yeah. Uh, it's low budget sci-fi, but I've seen some special effect shots of the aliens that are being put together for this thing. And you know what? Oh yeah, man. Looks fucking dope. They got the designs pretty good. And uh, so you wrote this script. Mm-hmm. I wrote this. You script. guys are going to make this thing, and you guys are going to go. We're shooting in a month. Shooting we leave in a month. month, and it's called Gray Skies. And uh, it's uh, it's gonna be awesome. We got a great director. We got great. Is, is there team. a filmmaker on the planet who, going into their production, doesn't say that? Um, I'm being critical not. of you because of your stance on Terminator Four. Okay. 
Well, that's fair. But I will say in this case... It's going to be awesome from a guy who likes Terminator 4. Well, no, fuck <laughs> we couldn't. Uh, You're my our my first choice in director was was unavailable. Look at that. You didn't. You never sent me an email back, dude. What? Are you kidding? I'm kidding. Yeah, I was I'm like, kidding. no. No, our director is, is uh, Kai Blackwood, who you'll hear about later. He's cool. very cool. But we're excited. Thanks for plugging that, man. No, uh, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, but speaking of science fiction movies, we got the chance to talk to Eric McCormick. He's an actor, and we got to talk to Yo, the director, he's too. Will from yeah, he's Will from Will and Grace. He's part of this 50s show. Uh, what is this? It's called Alien Trespass. William Bibiani. And it's sort of a throwback. It's, it's, it's a sci-fi movie that's okay. sort of a throwback to, like, 50s. Um, ah, paranoia yeah. movies. Exactly. And, um, and Will McCormack explains it in, in the interview, and it's supposedly really fun. And William Bibiani interviewed him and the director. Yes. Okay, okay, Ooh. so we're going to show you guys that footage from Comic-Con of William getting down with the guys from Alien Trespass, and we will be right back. You wanted to say getting down with the brown. No, I did not. Why would I want to say that? That's horrible. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Geekscape, and we are here at Comic-Con with R.W. Goodwin. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's you? Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, I, was wondering, I was wondering where you were holding Bob. the microphone. Hey, yeah. Bob, well, it's nice to meet you. Yeah, you too. Uh, we're all big fans. Uh, R.W. Goodwin, of course, uh, produced The X-Files for five years. The first five seasons. First five seasons of one of the greatest sci-fi shows of all time. And now he is here with a new movie that he has directed called Alien Trespass. Alien Trespass. Starring Will McCormick and uh, Robert Patrick. Not Will McCormick, Eric McCormick. Eric McCormick. Uh, yeah. Will McCormick couldn't make it, so I had to take Eric. I, I've, I, uh, <laughs> I'm not very, I'm not very good at this. Hey, but anyway, Alien Trespass. So Alien Trespass is an homage to the 1950s it's sci-fi a, films. It's a classic 1957 film. Yes. Meaning that if you look at the classics now, they were so well done and so serious and scary when they made them, but now they're kind of funny because they're out of style. That's basically what we did. Yeah. Sorry. What, what is it about the 1950s that, that, that really, uh, that, that, that still resonates today? Because it's such an iconic era. Well, they kind of, that was when the sci-fi world was invented for film. You know, I mean, there was a few things prior to that, but not that much. And in the 50s, they kind of set the vocabulary of sci-fi. And, yeah. you know, and that was fun. I just, when I went back, my partner, Jim Swift, had wanted to do this movie, and I went back and looked at some of the originals, I just laughed my head off. So yeah. I figured if we could stick really true to it, it would be funny. They, they were really sincere, but what I liked about them was that they, they took all of these outlandish concepts, alien worlds and everything, and a lot of them, like, like it conquered the world and a lot of the Roger Corman stuff, brought them down to a really human level. It took all of these incredibly huge things and made them about people living in an apartment right. somewhere. And it's about the character, and I think that's a lot of something right. about Alien Trespass that I think is going to hit with people. Was that something that you were worried about? Was these making all the people feel real? Well, no, yeah, that's what I liked. Is that in those days, yeah. you took time to actually get to know who the people are, and then yeah. they cared about them when they got in trouble. And, Absolutely. And that's what we did with ours. We, do, we have one character who was not really true to the 50s, the, the lead Tammy. Yeah. Um, you know, in those days, they didn't let ladies be heroines, but no, they're heroes. No. But we, it's unfortunate. I, I, find, I find a lot of them, it's like, you know, I'm going to go off and fight the giant leeches, and she just shows up in the in the rowboat to, with coffee. Right, yeah. Which is weird. Yeah, I'll but, go home and iron while you're doing yeah, that. It, yeah, it's, 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 it's vaguely offensive, but it is, in its own way, it's kind of beautiful in its innocence. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's that's uh, perhaps not the offensive part, but I think it's something we like about in the trespass is the innocence of those oh, times. So, well, that's the, the thing. It was very yeah. sweet. It was a gentler and more innocent time. There was nothing to worry about except for you know instant nuclear annihilation nuclear and instant yeah right. yeah right but other than that other than, that, other than commies right you know you that know, was it. they were gonna kill so, us all and eat our babies yeah but, but uh, otherwise too. it was carefree otherwise it was perfect <laughs> yeah. and so was alien trespass oh, and thank you so much for taking the time oh to thank you us. i appreciate it okay thank you all right see you later that is what we are i, I don't actually know that one ebony and ivory live together in perfect harmony. And we're both white, though, so it kind of lacks. Ivory it lacks. And ivory live together. Okay. Are we good? Is that it? Mm-hmm. All right. Okay. I hope you recorded something. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. I'm just going to Okay. Welcome to Geekscape. We're here at Comic Con with Eric McCormick. Howdy. Star of Free Enterprise. Star of Will and Grace. Mm-hmm. I heard of that somewhere. Yeah. Some people saw it. And, of course, he is here promoting his new film, Alien Trespass. It's here somewhere. Hopefully we got a shot of that. A Maybe Geek's we'll a Paradise, Alien Absolutely. Trespass. Absolutely. And in this film, it's interesting. This film, you play an actor 
in the 1950s playing an astronomer who is then infected by an alien who plays an astronomer. Pretty much true. Is I think you pretty much summed that up. Is that the most complicated role you've ever undertaken as an actor? Because that's a lot to keep in your head at once. Yeah, it, it's, and let me put it that way, yeah. Yeah, because I mean, particularly because it was so important to Bob Goodwin that the the film feel real, as yeah. like a, a real '50s film. So it wasn't just me sending it up. I mean, it was, as you yeah. say, it was me thinking the way a, a 1957 actor would think right. in terms of how you build these characters. So yeah. Did, did, did you look at that uh, like the because it was more of a stagey kind of presence? I think it's one of yeah. the reasons why a lot of the '50s films don't play as well to younger audiences, which is tragic because so many of them are really good. Yeah. Uh, but was was there anything that you focused on? Was there any actors you studied in particular who really you you admired or perhaps yeah, well, Richard uh, Richard Carlson, who uh, was the star of um, uh, It Came from Outer Space. Yeah, I stole a lot from him. The pipe, various things from that. But his, yeah. his he had, he was very typical of the period that he was he was a good actor. He was stage trained, but a lot of that stage. Yes. came into uh, into the performance whether they were doing Playhouse 90 on, on television or, right. or working in, in features their stage craft kind of showed and so yeah. I, I stole a little of that that's you know that no, nobody ever said uh or um there was yeah, no, everything there was, was very specific. there was nothing naturalistic so even yeah. a, even a well-written line can come off sounding like a line because it's like yeah. well, nobody speaks that well you know absolutely did you um uh, th thematically in the 1950s, is there anything that you had to like kind of try to wrap your head around that was so radically different from what we are today, like, you know, uh, the, the, the things? Th like things? Th like the various things in the film. Well, no, like the <laughs> well, no I mean, obviously, like anything just all struck you. Yeah, like, the I, don't, I don't deal with that on a daily basis. That's alien to me. That is trespassing <laughs> on my... Self. Interesting. Yeah. Now, I think the. I mean, the, the thing about the '50s sci-fi films was they were almost exclusively all um, uh, metaphors for the Cold War. The, yeah. the, all the aliens were really about the Russians that everyone thought was hiding around the yeah. the corner, and uh, things coming from outer space were were the the bombs that were inevitably going to land yes. in our backyards. So, I mean, I think it was that kind of of um, closed-minded fear that dominated the late 50s and McCarthyism and all of that that, uh, that led to, to these films. Uh, and I think to remember that is to, mm. that this isn't just about, it was not about special effects and it was not about, the, the whole idea of kids being into space and that was kind of new. It was a new thing. Yeah, was, you know, and it was certainly 10 years before there was a man on the moon. So it was so yeah. foreign, but it was also for, for the filmmakers, particularly the, the screenwriters, a metaphor for something else. Absolutely, and something that is still relevant today with all of our xenophobia, mm -hmm. all of our politics. Perhaps you've heard about some things happening in Iran. Apparently, it's not going. No, what's well. going on there? It's going. It's it's going poorly. Mm. But uh, it, it, except it's great now. I got nothing. But the point is, sir, you are very talented. You're very kind. We all like Alien Trespass, and uh, we're looking forward to the DVD release. Hopefully, it'll reach a much bigger audience. Thank you very much. Had, had two small releases. In, in I agree. It's Rent it. It's a good. It's a good family film too, because Absolutely. because it is 50s style. Uh, there's yeah. nothing offensive. No one. No one's getting their hearts pulled out of their chests no. and having it fed to them. Yet. Yeah. Yet. So uh, wait, thank wait you for the very sequel. much. Thank My you pleasure. very much. Thank you for joining nice us. See you, Eric McCormick. So guys, that was Alien Trespass and William Bibiani. Um, doing a good job he's coming along if you guys want to read more of William's amazing reporting as part of a Geekscape team go to our website geekscape.net and he's got articles up every week uh, I love the fact that we are starting to expand our writer base and all this uh, I'm pretty excited about it um, comic books have been a little light this week uh, because I have been reading I've been catching up a lot I didn't get a lot of books before Comic Con because I wanted to go to Comic-Con in style. But when I came back, I, I read a bunch of books, and I've been catching up on them. Spider-Man 600 came back. That was fine. Um, <laughs> that was I, fine. I, I, that was good. It's a 600 issue, you know what I mean? You got a new Doc Ock who uses, like, you know, little nanomites, like in G.I. Joe, but he controls these little mini spiders that go out and do stuff, like oh, Doc Ock. I'm sick of the nanomite So the Doc shit. Ock thing was fine. Um, Mighty Avengers, I still think, is one of the most fun books Marvel's doing. And then I read this book from Red 5, The Abyss, which is written by Kevin Rubio. I talked about it a little bit last week on the show. It's a guy who discovers that his dad is a supervillain, inherits a lot of his technology in his suit, goes out to try and fix some of the things his father has set into play as a villain. Cool. And he goes out in his dad's suit. So when he runs afoul of superheroes... They think that he's a new version of his dad, and he's like, "That's cool, guys. It's not my dad. It's not my dad's, you know, friend or sidekick. I'm trying to fix what my dad did, but uh, 
But it's kind of a fun little uh, comic. If you guys like Tag and Bink are Dead, the comic that, that was put out by Dark Horse, that was kind of like uh, a fun behind the scenes of the Star Wars universe. Um, you've got this one to look forward to. The Abyss is cool. It's a fun little read. It's out. It's four issues collected for ten bucks on Red Five Comics. So I was a fan of it. You guys can sit through, get through it in one sitting, and I think it's creative and fun. And it, cool. Yeah, for like for like commentary on superheroes, I think it's cool. So the abyss. That's that was the cool thing I read this week. Mm. Um, video games, video games, video games, video games. What are we gonna do about the video games? Because right now we're in a lull, because everyone's getting ready for September. In September, you've got some cool games coming out. You got the new Halo game. You've got a shitload of cool games There's coming out in September. Halo, Halo ODST comes out in, in September. What's uh, You've got Marvel Ultimate Alliance 2 coming out in September. The mm. list of games coming out in September is awesome. Then in October, you've got Rocktober, which is the release of Brutal Legend, which is going to be amazing playing that game. So really, right now, not a whole lot of games coming out. You've got some games coming out online, which is why we've been talking about Xbox Live and the PSN Network, mm. or, uh, the PlayStation Network releasing some games online. I think the highlight this month for me personally, is that there's a new Professor Layton game that's coming out for the DS. But shit, I've just been playing the X Men Origins Wolverine that game. Trivia type thing where you're like in a town or something? Yeah, you're in a town and you're doing puzzles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That stuff's awesome. But yeah, no, for me, it's a. Uh, I've been playing that X Men Origins Wolverine. A buddy of mine from Activision gave it to me, and it's it's fun for what it is. You know, like oh, a God it's of a War blast. type club. It's better yeah, than yeah. the movie. Totally better than the movie. There's <laughs> scene, there's scene, give me that. Anything, there are scenes in this X-Men Origins Wolverine. I'm like, where was that Wolverine? Where was this in the movie? Yeah. He's Bloody, ripping, was... Dude, there's blood all over this fucking thing. This thing has the most violent kills. This X-Men Origins Wolverine game. The Uncaged Edition. I think they're all Uncaged Editions. But he's just tearing people apart. He's getting shot up to a, just a skeleton. And then you see shit healing again. Mm, this game that's fun. has some really badass moments. Really, This, this game is more cinematic than the movie was. Yeah. You know? The coolest thing is, yes, it follows the storyline of the film. It kind of has to because it's the film's tie-in game. But the beginning scene is like him in like a helicopter, and they're getting helied into uh, uh, Africa to to get this adamantium. You know, like in the movie, they go there, and uh, they pretty Wakanda. They pretty much kick Wolverine out of the plane, right? And he's high up in the air, no parachute, and you're behind him, kind of like. Controlling you're his fall, with him. you're skydiving with him. The camera's mm. a little bit behind him, and you're controlling where he's moving. And it, it, it right as he, you see this soldier, and you approach the ground, the soldier looks up. It camera slows down, and it says X Men Origins Wolverine. And then you just spear in him into the ground with your claws, and you're like, Holy shit! He just jumped out of a plane and just speared this dude. And now you got to fight all these guys. So that's the awesome. Helicopter explosion. Dude, the helicopter and... explodes. Dude, there's a whole scene on a bridge in the first chapter. This the first chapter alone had more cinematic moments than the entire movie. That's a lot of so fun. Good. I mean, if you guys are looking for something you didn't get from that damn movie, and that's everybody, uh, you know you didn't like that movie. I am so wanting to play that game because yeah. I hated that movie. Yeah, this, game, this game is It amazing. has one of those first 15 minutes that you could show to, like, your grandpa, even. Like, you know you know when you have, um, like, games where the first 15 minutes are so good? Like, Call of Duty 4? Mm. Like, remember the first level of Call of Duty 4 is, like, an experience? Yeah. Same thing with this game. That's the one on the ship. I'm watching to play. Yeah, it's like, oh, I gotta get off the ship. Yeah. I didn't uh, get off the ship once. I don't think, I think I'm the only person in, that in the world who didn't get off the ship that one time. Because I, I was, I think I was, like, eating a burrito while I played. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm sitting there, like, oh, Oh shit! Oh shit! I gotta jump. Eating a burrito. You know, start this up for Yeah, cutscenes, man. It gives you a chance to get your burrito out of the microwave. <laughs> wow. So cutscenes are for cutscenes are for putting your burrito in the microwave, hitting the buttons, come back. Cutscene finishes up. You play a little bit. Beep beep beep. You go back at the next cutscene, get your burrito, and then you're eating while you're running off that ship. Sounds like you've done this before, many times. Every time I play video games, Wolverine, X Men Origins, the video game gives you a lot of burrito chances. X Men Origins, fun. the Wolverine. X-Men Origins, the story of Logan the Wolverine. That's the movie. Because it sure as hell isn't Wolverine. Is Deadpool in it? So. I haven't gotten that far yet, but I'm sure he is. You mean Katana? Or the Baraka Pool. Baraka Pool? <laughs> That's right. He did the, he did yeah. the Baraka Oh, you mean that thing. thing that they pass off as Deadpool? Yeah, that might be in here. <laughs> <laughs> um, Which, do you think they're going to just scrap that movie? Which they should, because now that Ryan, Ryan Reynolds, Reynolds is a nah, Lantern. You know what? Make them both. Make I'm them both. We'll find out. Fun. 
I'll see him. I saw fucking G.I. Joe the Rise of Cobra. <laughs> we also yeah. saw Chun-Li. Yeah, we saw that Chun-Li thing. Why? That I know for Michael fact. Clark Duncan. <laughs> oh, right. I forgot. He was in that? No, he was in the original yeah. one. No. Michael Clark Duncan was in... Oh, he was Balrog. Balrog. Yeah. He talked like this. I'm Balrog. When are we going to get another Mortal Kombat movie? Yeah, it goes in the who gives a shit bag. Ah, <laughs> I'm glad I could contribute. Yeah. <laughs> we, when are we going to get the next Mortal Kombat movie? I don't know. Midway Mid, Midway shit. just turned into something other than that. Midway just got bought by Warner Brothers yeah, and all so that. That's like asking, like, uh, I, I'm looking forward to a Tekken. When are they making a Tekken? <laughs> Dude, they made a Tekken movie. No. It's coming out. No. If you drive down Santa Monica towards Beverly Hills through Century City, on your <laughs> left from the 405 behind it's you, like you, will see, you will see Tekken. On the left, on, on the side of a building, I think that building has the production company in it or something, but there's a Tekken billboard. And I auditioned an actor back in, uh, in December. I auditioned a guy, uh, he, one of his credits, Tekken. And I was like, oh, you were in the Tekken movie. And he's like, yeah, man, it's pretty cool. I had this one scene where I did this you know, thing, and I, t- I talked to this guy, and I was like, okay. Yeah. Is this another who gives a shit? It was like, yeah. Tekken? Uh, yeah. Okay, because uh-huh. I, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. I think you should move on. Yeah. <laughs> so, Mark. Yeah. You can see Mark next weekend at 2 o'clock and at 8 o'clock. This weekend. This weekend. Oh, this coming weekend. Yeah, this August coming, okay, 15th. Okay, this coming weekend. August 15th. August 15th. Beverly Hills High School's Auditorium. 1,500 seats. Let's try and fill it. Yeah. It goes to you a good guys, cause. It's going to be a great cause. 2 o'clock, 8 o'clock. Visit www.starwars30.com. You'll get a history of the show. You'll get little clips. Um, you'll see my picture. Which um, is, your picture, is your picture of Lucas up on there? Yes, the picture of, of us with Lucas is up there. Can um, you hear Lucas sound again? Oh yeah, well he did. Uh, he's like, oh, that was great, guys. <laughs> and, and then and then what'd we just stood Mr. there. Lucas? I was like, what'd you think, Mister? He's like, yeah, yeah, that was great. <laughs> and then we just stood there waiting and waiting and waiting. Can't and, make toys out of it. Yeah, and he's like, yeah, it was really no, I, you know, what? You know, he just just kind of trails huh. off, and it was fun. But so you'll see our picture he with him. Away. You'll see the CNN article they did on us when we did the original cool. run, which was cool. Um, and Lucas was talking. They did a cutaway in the CNN article when Lucas was talking to Spielberg, uh-huh. telling him about our play. Yeah, all three of these guys. And he's like, oh, yeah, they did 30 minutes. You know, and, <laughs> and Spielberg's like, really? I don't care. You know, he's like nodding. Yeah, yeah. And we all got excited. So, Look, I'll do our favorites. Yeah. Um, so, so, guys. Please, yeah. Please come and, and see the show. Uh, it's $10. It's going to a good cause, but we're, we're filling up that theater, and uh, thank you. Thank you for letting me promote it. No, dude, it's it. awesome. So, guys, that is our episode. Go to Geekscape.net to check everything out under the Geekscape stars that you are going to be a part of now that you're part of the Geekscape. And uh, on Facebook, become our fan. Search for Geekscape, click Become a Fan, and uh, you can find all of our profiles in there if you want to talk more to Gilmore and myself. Of course, go back to the forums. The forums are up. The Geekscape site is working. Come on back, people. Uh, all right, that's our episode. Next week for episode 134, we're going to talk about Neil Blomkamp's District Freaking Nine. Can't, Can't wait, wait. This movie. Get down Twitter. Oh yeah, and if you want to follow us on Twitter, there's new episode. There's new articles up every day on Geekscape. Best way to find out about it is follow myself on Twitter, twitter.com/slash Jonathan London. Or just visit the the site daily. Or visit the site daily. I don't need the ego boost of you following me on Twitter. In fact, if you're following me on Twitter, get the fuck off my list. <laughs> Just go to the website. That's all I care about. Just go to the website. You see your followers fall. Yeah. It's awesome. Plummet passwords already at. I use Twitter. I use Twitter. All right, guys. We'll see you guys next week. Thanks. Now, Gilmore, dance. Dance. Take it off. Dance. Earn your money. Let's make this shit ready. Come here. Come here. Sit right here and dance. Sit right here and dance. Part of your skin's melting off yeah. and putting it back on. Yeah. It's weird. After the show, I make Gilmore dance for money. You do it every week.